What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. That that kind of first time it happened because I was in some classes that semester that I was not fond of at all. <laughs> And that really weren't going very well for me. <laughs> and uh, COVID kind of honestly saved me from meeting a terrible fate in those classes because pretty much what happened is the professors just said, I'm canceling the exams and we're canceling the projects. That is Olivia Brock, who recently graduated with a bachelor's degree in mathematics and statistics and art history from Utah State University. Hello, I'm your host, Venkatrama. Olivia grew up loving school. She loved most subjects and was very good at it. She was an avid ceramic artist. She was active in student garment. When applying to college, she was planning to major in business and then apply to law school. Olivia joined Utah State and encountered undergraduate research in an introductory art history class. Olivia joins our podcast to share her undergraduate research experiences and her undergraduate college journey at Utah State. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. State. I had I really had a good experience in all of my classes. I had really amazing professors who were interesting and challenging and who I felt like I was able to connect with and form relationships with. Going to Utah State allowed me to kind of explore a lot of different fields and subjects. I had quite a few majors while I was there. And I, it was nice to be able to kind of do that exploration and not feel so tied down to one subject. Ultimately decided to study these objects called astrolabes, mm-hmm. which were, which are um, scientific instruments that gained a lot of popularity in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. especially in the lands and territories ruled by the Islamic empires. Mm-hmm. And I, I found these objects really interesting because not only were they scientific objects, but they were also really beautiful objects. Figuring it out as you go, you kind of just start by asking a question and maybe reading about it mm-hmm. and seeing where that takes you. And that, that was hard for me because I, coming from a, a math background as well, I, I kind of have a very structured approach to the way I do life and the way I yeah. do school. And so I kind of had to kind of reevaluate my approach to doing research and kind of accepting the ambiguity of it. But learning to write is going to be the, the best skill you can have to be successful in research. It doesn't matter what discipline you're going to go into. These were the high fives brought to you by College Matters, Alma Matters. matters. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Olivia. So without further ado, here is Olivia Brock. So if you're ready, we can jump right into it. Yeah, sounds great. 
Cool. So maybe the right place to start is um, a look back at the Utah State experience. What was it like? Yeah, my experience at Utah State was really great. Um, I don't know that it's a, a one-size-fits-all. I mean, it's definitely mm-hmm. not a one-size-fits-all. A lot of people have different experiences there. It's in um, a smaller city in northern Utah. Um, Utah State is located right at, right at the mouth of Logan Canyon, and so it's a great place for a lot of students to enjoy the outdoors and other kinds of hiking, skiing. Um, there's, a, there's a large lake. Bear Lake isn't too far from Utah State. So it's a great place for people who like kind of outdoor recreational activities. Mm-hmm. Um, but my, I don't really know how to sum up my experience at Utah State. I had, I really had a good experience in all of my classes. I had really amazing professors who were interesting and challenging and who I felt like I was able to connect with and form relationships with. Mm-hmm. I felt like I came out of the university with a, with a strong skill set um, across statistics and art history research, um, as well as a lot of great relationships with faculty, as well as with roommates and classmates and a lot of other people that I, I met while I was there for five years. I've I think that's probably perhaps the most valuable thing I got out of my experience was um, was the relationships and the people that I met and got to know and who were really influential for me. And so, yeah, it's a great place with a lot of really awesome people. And I think that's kind of sums up the most impactful part of my USU experience. Why did you pick uh, Utah State? Well, I, I actually picked Utah State at the beginning because I wasn't, I was a little bit indifferent about where I went to college. I didn't really care that much. Mm-hmm. I was still a little bit up in the air about what I wanted to do. And I had actually had plans to go to a, a private liberal arts college in Salt Lake City. And that was mm-hmm. my plan for a long time. And then mm-hmm. just weirdly one day I kind of woke up and thought, well, I think I'm going to, I'm going to go to Utah State instead. And mm-hmm. so I did everything I had to do to make that happen, but I was behind on many of the deadlines at that point. Mm-hmm. I, had, um, <laughs> I hadn't accepted my scholarships or my housing or any of that, so I had to write a lot of letters trying to convince the university to kind of let me do those things late um, past the deadlines. Unfortunately, it all kind of worked out and fell into place, and I'm, I'm really glad it did because I think going to Utah State allowed me to kind of explore a lot of different fields and subjects. I had quite a few majors while I was there and I, it was nice to be able to kind of do that exploration and not feel so tied down to one subject going into the, into the university, um, especially because it is, um, it's on the more affordable side of universities for sure. And I had great scholarship opportunities. And so it ultimately, felt like a great fit and five years later it definitely was the best fit for me. Before we get into Utah State, what were you like in high school? So what kind of interests were driving you? You said you were kind of indifferent to which college you went to, but so what did you do in school? Yeah, so though I was indifferent about what college I went to, I wasn't particularly indifferent about school. I was, school was always very important to me growing up something mm-hmm. that kind of started for me around the middle school age. Mm-hmm. And 
so that was, I, I really loved academics. I loved most subjects that I got to study um, in school. I was very studious, very on top of my work. I took a lot of AP classes and concurrent enrollment classes to get some college credit early. Um, and so, yeah, I was very much interested in kind of more formal academics and mm -hmm. that's where I did well. And I saw a lot of success there um, mm -hmm. in classes. Mm -hmm. um, but on side of that, on the side of that, I was also a pretty avid artist in high school. I did a lot of ceramics. Mm -hmm. I was the, um, I won the Sterling Scholar Award, which is a, an award that all the high schools in Utah give out for the visual mm -hmm. arts um, mm -hmm. at my school for ceramics, mm -hmm. which was, which was a really cool experience. Mm -hmm. um, I was also involved in student government and other kind of organizations similar to that, leadership organizations in the school. And I also worked a lot in high school. I had a I had a job as well that I worked. And so those between those things, it kind of took up a lot of my time. Mm -hmm. um, but at that stage in my life, I was kind of looking toward becoming a lawyer and going to law school. And so going into Utah State, I was actually planning to be a business major to kind of facilitate my journey towards law school. And so, but yeah, that's kind of how I was in high school, a little bit, a little bit nerdy, but I, I had a lot of good friends and I knew a lot, enjoyed getting to know a lot of people in high school. And I think those kind of personality traits carried on for me into college. Mm -hmm. But I guess probably I'd sum myself up as your kind of basic smart kid <laughs> um, <laughs> in high school. <laughs> well, um, and why not? Worked hard, why not? took AP classes, and that's probably the gist of it. Let's, let's sort of talk about... Um how or when you got into research. I mean, it sounds like in high school, um, you explored on a, you know, on a number of different fronts, but it doesn't look like you did a lot of research. And so how did that, how did that happen? Yeah, so it's true. Research wasn't really a part of my high school experience um, by means of anything more extreme than like a kind of your normal English research paper. Right. right. Um, so I didn't really, going into college, have a conception of what this kind of formal academic research was um, and kind of the research that went on at universities. And going into college, I was kind of under the impression that, um, that I was just going to kind of go to school, take my classes, work a part-time job, and then graduate in four years and leave. And that ended up not being the case at all. <laughs> um, but yeah, my, my research kind of experience really started at the end of my first year um, when I, I had decided to take some art history classes um, that second semester of my freshman year. I took AP art history in high school as kind of an extension of my interest in the arts as a ceramic artist and really loved art history. So my second semester yeah. of college, I took a couple of classes one of which was a medieval art history class taught by Alexa Sand, who I believe mm -hmm. you also had on your podcast. Yes, absolutely. And the, the kind of final project for that class was this open engagement with medieval art history. Mm -hmm. So we kind of had the, we could kind of pick whatever topic we wanted, whatever final product we wanted, and explore that in ways that were interesting to us, because the class had a lot of 
you know, studio art majors as well as art history majors. And so mm-hmm. she wanted to kind of leave that open. So I ultimately decided to study these objects called astrolabes, mm-hmm. which were, which are um, scientific instruments that gained a lot of popularity in the Middle Ages, mm-hmm. especially in the lands and territories ruled by the Islamic empires. Mm-hmm. And I, I found these objects really interesting because not only were they scientific objects, but they were also really beautiful objects. And mm-hmm. I, I felt like that was really important to their kind of overall existence and their overall purpose was the fact that they were also beautiful. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of what I explored um, in, in that for that final project in that class. Um, and I just wrote up kind of a regular research paper for it. Mm-hmm. But at, at the end of the class, um, Alexa had actually reached out to me and told me that she thought that I had a lot of really good ideas in my paper and that she thought it was really interesting and merited um, further exploration mm-hmm. and merited some more um, merited more more research and so she actually offered to to mentor me on a kind of a more I guess on on a kind of an extend an extended research project um, that yeah. involved applying for grant money and a fellowship um, and things like that. And so it was actually um, Alexa who really kind of started my research career. I'd probably say um, just by kind of reaching out to me when I was pretty early on in college and um, kind of getting me involved because she had she's very passionate about undergraduate research and. She, she likes to take prospective students and help them find a, find a path to doing research. So that's kind of how I got into it at the beginning. What was it that drew you into research? I mean, you, you did it. It sort of started out as a class project. Obviously, it um, became something bigger. Um, what did you like about it? Just initially, uh, initial thoughts. Um, if, if you can recall. Yeah, well, research is, research is really challenging and I, I hadn't really kind of expected that going mm-hmm. into doing it outside of a classroom context. Yeah. Um, but I think what's just cool about it is that you, like through research, especially as an undergraduate student, you can really explore a lot of different ideas and questions and concepts that you're not exposed to. Uh in your kind of normal coursework right so that's that's really what I like about it is it really does allow you to dive into things that you're personally interested in um, in a way that is really meaningful in a way that uplifts your academic experience as well as your kind of overall interest in those topics anyways and so I think that that's what I really like about it I also really I really liked the kind of working with a mentor Mm-hmm. I that was really really impactful for me and had I think you know really long lasting impacts on me today and will continue to going forward. I I think the combination of getting to explore subjects that are important to students that they can't explore in a class as well as mm-hmm. doing so with a mentor with someone who is more experienced and can really guide them to success is the best part about research and the most meaningful part of research.
let's move on then. Um, so you started there, then what happened? Tell us about um, all the different research and how you kind of got into it. If there was any seminal work that you ended up doing uh, that you want to talk about more than others. Sure. Yeah, so the project I did on astrolabes kind of lasted for um, maybe a, a, a year, maybe like two years or so. I mean, mm -hmm. research is slow, especially right. when you're a student and you have a lot of other things going on. Right. But as I mentioned before, I had worked with Alexa to apply for a university uh, undergraduate research grant, mm -hmm. as well as a summer research fellowship in the arts. And I was mm -hmm. able to receive both of those. Mm -hmm. um, I believe that was in the summer of 2019. And mm -hmm. with that funding, I was able to go to New York City to kind of study astrolabes in person, to mm -hmm. talk with curators and experts and people who knew a lot more about them than I did. And right. that was also a really meaningful experience um, to mm -hmm. get to go and explore them in kind of a phys more physical sense than I had been getting previously, mm -hmm. as well as that kind of exposure to new people who know a lot of different things than I do and know a lot more than I do. Um, but I also I also found the the grant writing and the fellowship application writing to be a really meaningful experience in kind of an alternative way in the sense that I it was an opportunity to really articulate my ideas mm -hmm. and articulate why this research is important to me and why it's important to our kind of academic community at Utah State. And so that's kind of the sum of that research. I did end up writing a paper on the astrolabes that I, mm. I honestly, I drafted it and then I didn't do much with it after that because I wasn't particularly happy with the, <laughs> the final product. <laughs> but maybe one of these days I'll kind of get back into it and do a little bit more to kind of get that polished up and maybe published at some point. Mm. But after that, yeah, I have done a few things since then as well. I did yeah. a um, I co-authored a paper with Alexa actually last year, where we looked at statistical statistical approaches to studying large and miniature manuscripts, mm -hmm. and we were kind of exploring in the paper different approaches to, you know. Basically, we just wanted to know, we have all this data on manuscripts and manuscript sizes. Can we do mm -hmm. anything with it? Is there anything meaningful that we can do mm -hmm. with these this data? And so that was kind of our, our research and our what our paper was based on. And we found that there there is likely a lot of kind of meaningful things that can be done statistically with this kind of old manuscript and bibliographic data. And so hopefully that might inspire some some others to kind of take that on and to see what kinds of, you know, what we really can do with. So what are some, um, uh, what are some uh, meaningful things that you could do with those manuscripts that you mentioned? So some of the things we looked at was, you know, seeing, you know, are, are there different trends in manuscript making across the Western world? Mm -hmm. in kind of the middle the medieval and the early modern periods so mm -hmm. you know we looked at okay well we have all these bibles for example and to be honest i don't remember the exact results off the top of my head mm -hmm. but um 
we we found that you know if you take say a, a sample of bibles yeah right from the 15th century mm-hmm. right so they're all the books we're looking at are bibles from the 15th century and then we're kind of looking at them from different regions so the regions we focus on were england france germany and italy mm-hmm. and so for example you can use kind of statistical tests and um data analysis to see you know are there significant differences in the ways that these these manuscripts were made um were was one region making manuscripts or these bibles was one region making them larger or smaller like significantly larger or smaller than another region you know Mm -hmm. when you can find those things out if you say okay england is making bibles that are a lot larger just all around than any of the other three countries mm-hmm. you know what does that mean like why would they be making bigger bibles right. um, was it because they were disconnected from the continent and didn't and were like they were disconnected from bible making trends in other countries um were their materials different were their methods of production different you know and so by kind of looking at this data we can actually see differences in trends that can allow historians are historians to make a lot of ask a lot more me ask questions that are a lot more meaningful about these manuscript and book production that we might not kind of notice or be able to observe just by looking at the books with our eyes you got it cool um what else what else were you involved in Yeah, so I I did that. Like I said, I co-authored that paper last year and then this year my kind of last year my focus was on doing a capstone project for USU's honors program, which is kind of a small thesis, smaller thesis project. Mm-hmm. And for that project, I curated an exhibition. Mm-hmm. In the Utah State University Library's special collections and archives. Mm-hmm. And so for that project I selected 12 books ranging mm-hmm. from being produced in the anywhere from the the 12th or the 14th century up to the 17th century about and all of these books were historical books or historical mm-hmm. scientific books. Mm-hmm. So I was what I was really interested in was looking at the ways that scientific ideas have been visually manifested historically mm-hmm. and looking at the ways that by creating physical and material culture material objects how how scientists were able to kind of democratize their ideas and make them more accessible to a, a less educated public or less mm-hmm. educated professionals and so that was kind of what i was interested in is the way that the the physicality and the images in these books kind of pushed forward um it a kind of what i would describe as kind of a trend that you started to see in kind of the 16th century in europe a trend of kind of getting scientific ideas out of academia to an extent and into the hands of a more everyday person and that happened i i think very strongly it happened because of the kind of advances in 
physical objects like scientific instruments or books or illustrations and things like that. And so that's kind of what I was focusing on with that exhibition. And so that exhibition was up for about a month. It just came down around graduation day. Mm -hmm. But that was kind of the last big research endeavor that I took on as an undergraduate was that exploration into um, yeah, historical scientific books. So as you look back at all the different research and research projects you've been involved in over the last five years now, how do you think it has made a difference? How, how has it changed you or impacted you? Yeah. Well, like I said earlier, I, I think research is really difficult, um, mm-hmm. especially research in the humanities where you, you don't, there's less structure to how it's done right. compared to the sciences. In the right. sciences, you know, there's a lot of kind of, you know, you propose a question, you come up with a hypothesis, you create an experiment, you test it, you know, things like that. Right. There's a little bit more structure to the way research is done in those fields. So I, so I found it really kind of, I had to be very self-motivated mm-hmm. and um, determined if I was going to do any sort of research because I kind of had a big, part of it was, of course, I had great mentors, but a lot of it is just kind of figuring it out as you go. You kind of just start by asking a question and maybe reading about it mm-hmm. and seeing where that takes you. And that that was hard for me because I, coming from a, a math background as well, I, I kind of have a very structured approach to the way I do life and the way I yeah. do school. And so I kind of had to kind of reevaluate my approach to doing research and kind of accepting the ambiguity of it and uh-huh. accepting that um, it might not always go to plan, go as I had planned it. And so that was something that I've kind of taken into my real life and kind of um, allowed, you know, those kind of changes in the way I approach life generally is kind of accepting things that are a little bit maybe less structured, a little more ambiguous and um, and taking them in stride and learning to appreciate those things. And so I think at a very high level, how it impacted me. But also I've, you know, I have, a, you know, I would really love to go work, you know, in a museum space or mm-hmm. some sort of educational space. And I think that stems from my research experience and the kind of value I saw to education through, through doing research. And so um, it's definitely impacted my kind of outlook on what I want to do going forward in my life um, as a graduate student and as a professional eventually. And yeah, so it's definitely had a, a lot of impact on my kind of honestly on my personality and my, my approach to my life. But also, I've like I said, my, my working with Alexa and the few other mentors that I've had has been probably the most meaningful thing just learning from them and getting their insight into the kind of the best approaches to doing research has been a really great experience and something that I think will impact me as I go on to graduate school or into the, into the, or into a a profession. So I, 
those those relationships were really meaningful for me and I'm I value them very highly and I think that was the best thing that I got out of doing research okay so let's switch gears a little bit um let's talk about your majors I mean you uh, alluded to that a few a couple of times um so I think you've graduated with what math and statistics and uh, art history, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, quite a eclectic collection of uh, topics. So tell us a little bit about it. I mean, math. It looks like you had a core interest coming into things, and art history. You've talked about it. So why this? I guess particular set of courses. Yeah, I'm, I, that's always a good question and why I get asked a lot. And I, I didn't really come into it thinking, oh, well, I'm going to intentionally choose to do math and stats and then <laughs> art history. It just kind of happened that way. I, like I said before, I came in thinking I was going to be a business major and go to law school yeah. eventually. But my, my first semester, I, I took some business classes and I, I wasn't really feeling it. And I also took a statistics class my first semester and just really, really liked it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really interesting. I had always been pretty good at math throughout high school and middle school. I was never bad at math. I just never felt particularly fond of it. Mm-hmm. But coming into college and into that stats class, I, I really liked statistics. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe there's something here. I, I might like and and so I decided to pursue it and I ended up um, taking calculus the next semester and loving that and so I kind of decided at that point that this is this is the route for me um, definitely is kind of pursuing an education in math and statistics and ultimately I graduated with a degree in statistics with a, a minor in math just because oh, I, I have a little bit more of, a, of an affinity for statistics over over pure math, but that's how that worked out. And then, as I mentioned before, I took an APR history class in high school that I really loved, and right. I decided to take some classes. And you know, as my freshman year, I was thinking about maybe just doing a minor in art history as kind of a way to pursue something that I was interested in. But I, I didn't really take it very seriously until I got involved in research. And it was kind of at that stage that I'm like, I, I really love art history. And I think there's a lot of interesting things that happen in this field. There's a lot of merit to this field. Yeah. And so ultimately, I decided to, to major in it. Well, first, I was going to minor in it. And then I, my hesitation really was taking a four, <laughs> four semesters of a foreign language. <laughs> Um, four semesters of German, which I did, and it was challenging, but I'm glad I did it, and I'm I'm glad I followed through with majoring in art history. But yeah, I mean, none of my classes ever overlapped <laughs> um, <laughs> while I was in school, and they they were quite the variety. I mean, I get the question about them all the time: why both? And the the reality is that just I love both, and I wanted to pursue them both. And and I think in a way they're you know, they're more alike than we give them credit for. Um, yeah, math yeah. is, you know, if you think about it, math really is, an, at least in my opinion, 
math is an it's an invention that humans created to explain the natural world um and to kind of rationalize and kind of make sense of what was going on around them and art is very much the same way it's an invention that humans came up with to kind of understand also understand the world and understand their experience in a way that is a little more subjective and a little more personal and so they both kind of have that approach to connecting people with the natural world just in different ways so what next what do you do now that what happens um yeah is that graduate school in your future or or what are you going to do yeah so graduate school is definitely next term going to take a gap year Mm -hmm. um and just work probably take a break from from school and kind of the busyness of it Mm -hmm. but yeah i'm planning to go to graduate school next fall Mm -hmm. fall 2023 not quite sure what i want to do yet i'm i'm interested in kind of what I talked about, I wrote about with Alexa, the kind of statistical approaches to looking at historical books and manuscripts and kind of interesting in pursuing something along those lines Mm -hmm. at the graduate level and kind of studying that way. Um, But right now I'm kind of just like researching different institutions and different um, faculty who might have an interest in that who can help me so that's kind of where I'm at right now. You mentioned that you got into research probably end of your freshman year um, so what would you tell freshmen about research what, what would what would your advice to them be? I think my my biggest advice is to, you know, and it depends, I suppose, on your discipline. For me, working with Alexa was kind of we were a good match because she's a she's a little bit more hands off of a mentor, I would say. Mm-hmm. So it was a you know so it was kind of me doing my own thing, doing, coming up with my own research and ideas, and her you know. And she was very helpful and always giving me good advice and things to read and, you know, tips for how to be successful. And she, she worked, I worked really closely with her and that Mm -hmm. really worked for me and my kind of style of learning and research. Mm -hmm. But some people need um, something a little more structured. They might Mm -hmm. be interested more in something like scientific research or lab research where they're kind of working on a and like a faculty's research mm-hmm. so I think what I would tell freshmen is to just try some research <laughs> um, yeah. even if it fails because failed research is still research yep. and because you want to be able to find a mentor and a discipline and kind of an approach to research that works for that works for you and that you feel like you can thrive in and I was able to find mine relatively quickly but other people might have to bounce around between different mentors different labs different disciplines to kind of find um research that that works for them and so um 
yeah, I guess that's kind of my advice is to just try it. And if it fails or if you don't like it, you can always try something else. And that absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. And that don't be afraid to talk to faculty or professors and ask them about what research opportunities are going on in their in their departments or in their college. Because that's honestly where a lot of connections to research come from or just asking because faculty don't always know you're going to be interested unless you unless you ask. Olivia, um, now what would you tell high schoolers to prepare themselves? I mean, what kind of skills do you think they ought to be developing or um, building in order to be able to do research? I mean, you know, it's it's something that you came in cold, but did you feel prepared? And do you think that, you know, if you had ABC that it would have made it easier or better or it didn't really matter? I think the, the biggest skill, um, the kind of high school age that would be impactful for having a successful undergraduate research journey is to learn to write, <laughs> mm. um, which I know can be, writing is a really hard skill and it's something that takes a lot of practice and often it takes a good teacher or a good mentor to really be able to critique you and help you kind of increase your writing skills. But learning to write is going to be the, the best skill you can have to be successful in research. It doesn't matter what discipline you're going to go into mm-hmm. um, because researching always involves writing and communicating, especially if you want to do research at a, to a point where you want to get money for it. Mm-hmm. If you want to get a grant or a fellowship, you need to be able to articulate your ideas in a way that comes from, in a way that is accessible to people who may not be entirely familiar with your research or with your ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, yeah, it's so important to learn to write, to communicate, and especially for a researcher. And so trying to kind of hone in those skills as a high school student is, is really valuable. I, I'm thinking of my high school English teacher who kind of transformed my ability to write. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it was kind of a harsh experience. He definitely um, was not easy on me or any of his students, but I, I think I became a, a strong writer because of that. And mm-hmm. it's, it's paid off many times over um, since then. So, yeah, learn to write. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so, Olivia, we are starting to wind down here. Um, I thought you could take a few minutes and share some memories or something that you'd like our listeners to know about. Could be from any aspect of your college life, Um, Mm. anything in specific or broad. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, my, my halfway through my college career, you know, I was, it was interrupted by COVID and that really kind of changed. It's funny looking back because I remember though COVID, you know, was 
you know, was and still is a devastating pandemic. I yeah. remember being really excited that they shut down school. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, that, that kind of first time it happened because I was in some classes that semester that I was not fond of at all. <laughs> and that really weren't going very well for me. <laughs> and uh, COVID kind of honestly saved me from meeting a terrible fate in those classes because pretty much what happened is the professors just said, I'm canceling the exams and we're canceling the projects. And so kind of helped me out there. But yeah, looking back, I, I think that's two years later, over two years later. That was kind of a funny thing to feel like, because then, you know, after that, I think all of us, you know, I really wanted to start going back in person and I was like, oh, well, I, I still wish this never would have happened. I, I still wish I could have kind of had that. I didn't have my kind of college experience interrupted by by COVID looking back. But I just thought it was funny that I, I remembering how excited I was about it at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it, everyone probably thought, I mean, we all thought it was going to be a brief thing. Um, yeah. <laughs> but... Uh, here we are two plus years later. Um, so Olivia, thank you for what, you know, you shared some really interesting uh, insights and stories about your research. I think that it's A, inspiring, but B, it's just fascinating stories. So I'm sure our listeners are gonna enjoy it. And um, hopefully uh, the high schoolers of today uh, follow in your footsteps and all the other researchers and do more undergraduate research. So I'm sure uh, we'll talk more in the future, but for right now, take care, be safe, and I'll talk to you soon and congratulations again. Great, thank you so much. Yep, bye-bye. Bye. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Olivia Brock on her undergraduate as well as research experiences at Utah State. Olivia's openness and exploration in college helped her find her calling. She came to Utah State to major in business, but Olivia discovered statistics and art history. Art history introduced her to research in the form of astrolabes, which completely captivated Olivia's imagination. She applied statistics to medieval manuscripts and curated an exhibition of historical scientific books to study how scientific ideas were depicted visually. I hope Olivia's story inspires and motivates you to pursue undergraduate research in college. For your comments or questions on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash almamatters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College matters. Alma Alma matters. matters.